Cincinnati. Welcome to the jungle! to the show this is sports with strawberry ice i'm your host the ice man jeff trenopal and as always i'm bringing you sports from a west side point of view right here in the great city of cincinnati ohio home of the afc north champs the cincinnati Bengals. now do me a favor if you found the show hit that like and subscribe button smash that thumbs up i'm up to 1507 subscribers that is awesome as always i appreciate every single one of you guys now, if you're watching on Facebook or Twitter and you have yet to subscribe to my channel, why the hell not? Go to the YouTube channel, Sports with Strawberry Ice. Hit the subscription button and hit the bell for notification. And every time I go live, you'll be notified. Also, exclusively in the YouTube chat, we're doing uh, Super chats. So if you like to make sure your comment gets read, or if you have a question for John Sheeran, he's on the show today, that's a good way to make sure I read it. Give me a super chat. I would greatly appreciate it. And as always, I'm coming to you live from the Ice Cave. And the Ice Cave is brought to you by T Properties. 
T-Properties, quality housing for quality people. Check out the website at www.tpropertiesllc.com for all your rental property management needs and your rental needs. All right, it is Combine Week, so we're going to have some kind of football to watch if you guys are a geek like I am and into the Combine. So we'll be watching that this week. I'm going down uh, Sunday to check it out. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, got different free agent stuff we can talk about. Uh, draft, Daniel Jeremiah seems to think that line bogs could be there at 31 for the Bengals. I don't think there's a shot in hell that's going to happen, but hey, maybe I'm wrong. But for all things Bengals, news and otherwise, let's get to the the man. Crypt Keeper calls him the brain, the Bengals brain, John Sheeran. John, what's going on, man? Man, that, that intro, every time I watch it, I get more impressed because it goes on longer than I think it's going to. It's very, very impressive. It's an amazing video, amazing song. So, yeah, that, that always surprises me, though. But I'm, I'm doing good, Jeff. How are you? Good, man. Good. I love that song. That's from uh, Gift Vader and uh, Black Light Productions. I had nothing to do with it. They just let me play it all the time, and I love the damn, sh- damn song. And it gives me time to get things set up while, <laughs> while people are, are getting ready to watch the show. So. All right, like I said, we got Combine Week this week. We also got, you know, free agency. Jesse Bates, I, like I said, I said this on Twitter. I think I'm going to do this every day. I'm just going to tweet out hashtag extend, extend JB3, you know, <laughs> hoping it's going to happen sometime soon. Um, what, do you, what do you got? Any news or anything on the Bengals? Anything? I know you've been taking a break, but uh, what, what have you been up to here since, you know, we're two weeks out of the, the Super Bowl here? Yeah, so the Super Bowl is what, like day before Valentine's Day? It's like the... Yeah the latest NFL game in, in history or something like that. And it had a month between then and free agency. So, I mean, I had to get some type of break in before things start to try to ramp up. So I haven't been, I've been writing that um, frequently at since the jungle lately, just been kind of taking a, a pseudo vacation, but you know, the grind is starting back up and decisions are going to be made here pretty shortly with the Bengals. Um, they typically will handle some in some internal moves, like maybe a week before free agency. So, we're gonna get some content out, but yeah, um, deadlines they 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 tend to pick things up, right? So if it's Bates as the big decision here, last year they had what William Jackson the third and Carl Lawson as big decisions, and they let both of them go. But I think we we all can kind of see that Bates is more likely to get the tag than both of those guys, and if it comes down to it, I would expect that to happen. But they still got about two weeks here to kind of come to a decision. I'm sure Bates has a number. The Bengals have a number. And it's just a matter of if they can kind of get to a more happy medium here in the next two weeks. Yeah, exactly. Because because not only do you have to sign him, then you got to make a decision of either. I, I hope they sign both. I don't think they're going to of either BJ Hill or Larry Ogunjobi. And I hope they get both of them. But if I had a choice, I, I'm more for BJ Hill than I am Larry. And Larry, Larry was good. There's nothing against Larry. I just think BJ was more consistent than, than BJ was. And if you got pick one, and it, it kind of reminds me a couple years ago when they had uh, uh, Michael uh, Michael Johnson and and uh, and um, um, Dunlap. Thank you, Dunlap. And they kind of put a contract out there. The first one that took it, got it. And I kind of think that's my, might be what they do with these two. I don't know. No, that's a good point. Like, that's what I thought as well, just in the matter of do they have enough money to get both to the deal that, that they want? Because obviously they can they know that there's a market out there for both of them and they would, you know, if, if they feel like they're not going to get what they want in Cincinnati, they are more than welcome to test that market. But you have to think that one of them is probably going to get resigned. And I, I wouldn't put it past them to utilize that same method that they did with Michael Johnson and, and Dunlap and Dunlap ended up taking that deal and ended up proving to be a lot more valuable than Michael Johnson. And I think if you were to compare these two, I, I think it's actually a decent comparison to be made. Like 
BJ Hill to me is like the Michael Johnson and Ogunjobi is like the Dunlap because Ogunjobi gives you more of an upside as a pass rusher, but he's not as consistent on a snap to snap basis. Now the whole factors with Dunlap is, you know, potential issues with like coaching and stuff like that, but maybe like a motor issue. I don't necessarily think that's an issue with Ogunjobi. It's just a matter of he's not as consistent as a run defender, but he provides you more of a spark as a pass rusher. And that's ultimately what they need to, the most at that position. They don't have a true three technique on, on the roster right. right now. And BJ Hill fills that role, but he was also a nose tackle for a decent amount of time in college. And then with the New York giants. So I, I understand the argument with BJ Hill. I also agree with you. I think he's a more consistent player and he might, provide you more of a return on investment but the upside with ogan joby i think that's why they wanted him on a one-year deal last year because he can give you seven eight snack seven eight snacks seven eight sacks in a pinch like that and then hopefully he's he's doing well rehabbing the, his injured foot i believe so honestly i don't know off the top i i'm not really comfortable giving like a prediction as to who they sign but i do think that that method of of offering both the, the similar deal and seeing which one takes it i do think that that is likely to happen probably Right, yeah, I was getting in kind of a little Twitter conversation here with uh, uh, PFF's Andrew Russell right before the show started, and I actually kind of like what what he was saying. He he was saying sign Bates, sign either or Hill or Ogunjobi, and pretty much put the rest of the money to the offensive line. And that that kind of brings me to where I, last week I said, you know, sign Jensen, move Hopkins to to guard, and yada yada yada. And people didn't like it, which is fine. I mean, it's still I think it would be make a better offensive line than we had last year. But let's let's go with this scenario. Let's say they keep Hopkins at center and we keep Jonah Williams at uh, at, at left tackle. So then you got to get a, at least let's say you get two guards and a, a right tackle. So let's start off with the guards here. And I got I'll bring up PFF here. Now you got um, uh, Sheriff here, which I mean that's everybody's number one. I don't know if they're going to. I don't know if they'll spend the money to get him. I think we might have to scroll down a little bit farther down here. Tomlin, Tomlin, but the one I like is right here. Connor Williams. I, I, li- I like him. I, I don't know. What's your thoughts on, on Connor at all? Have you done anything on the free agency at all, or am I throwing you into the deep end here? <laughs> no, I remember Connor very well from when he was drafted out of Texas. He was a left tackle at Texas, and it was like him and Mike McGlinchey, who were like the, two of the top tackles in that class. And But Williams had the potential to move inside the guard because he wasn't as long of a player, but he had the athleticism to make that transition. And I think he's been fine as like a late second-round pick. I think he was picked right after the Bengals picked Jesse Bates. And in four years in Dallas, he's developed into a solid starter. And I think um, I, this might be just like helmet scouting or just like a little, little lazy comparison. But I think of Williams as like a potential Chitabe Wuzier signing where mm-hmm. Wuzier was a decent player for Dallas, but he had upside to get better, to be more consistent player. And you like the fact that Williams is not even 25 years old. He's younger than me. So, right. I mean, he's got the athletic tools to be a more stable player than he was in Dallas. And you have to think that going to Frank Pollock, you get better coaching. He stays potentially at his, at his same position at left guard. There's continuity there, but you can see the PFF grades. He was 70 in 2020, 75 in 2021. Most of that, I think, is weighted for run blocking. He's still more of an inconsistent pass protector than you would like, but that's why he's not going to get like PFF projects him like six and a half million a year. The, the top guards are getting 15 million, 16 million now. Like he's not going to get the bag that Joe Tooney got. He's not going to get the bag that Brandon Scherf is going to get, which is why you're right. They're not going to pay Brandon Scherf that money. Connor Williams would be kind of a high upside signing that fits more of their budget and they're banking on him getting better and more consistent. So I could definitely see him uh, coming to Cincinnati. Yeah, the only thing that, that, that a red flag for me is all the penalties he's got, he got that, mm-hmm. this past year, but th- the entire Cowboys team was penalized. And I just think that's, coaching to be honest and, and he can come to, to the Bengals who is 
the least penalized team, I think, at least in the AFC, I think it might have been all of football. I don't know that offhand for sure. But either way, I think that they can coach that at them. So that's that's one that I like. And then the other one I like here, let's see here. Uh, James Daniels, he's good. But I, I like uh, Austin Cobra. That's another one I, I wouldn't mind. If you, get, if you yeah. get two guards, I think these two would be guys that, like you just said, it's, it's more of guys that are – I don't want to say lower, but they get them a cheaper price and they have a better, a bigger upside, just like you said with, about Cheetah Bay. Right. And they're projecting him like just around 10 million. I don't know. I always think guys are not going to get as much as they do, but then the market kind of speaks for itself and these guys get a lot more than you expect. So maybe Corbett will break the $10 million mark here. Maybe that's going to be a little bit too much from the Bengals' perspective. But I remember Corbett came out of Nevada 2018, and I think he was. A similar build to like Jonah Williams coming out of college, and Jonah was pegged as a guy who could play all five spots, very natural athleticism, kind of a, a, a nasty finishing blocker. And he practiced at like center and guard at the Senior Bowl, and he ended up being a guard in the NFL. He's now he's been in the Rams for three years, and I think he's filled in well at, at right guard, and I think he's played a little bit of center too. So he's got legitimate positional versatility because of his size and his that and his athleticism, and I think he's been a more consistent pass blocker compared to a guy like Connor Williams. So maybe that will get him more money in comparison. He's still relatively young. 26 is like the, the sweet spot for Bengals free agents nowadays. They sound like right. five guys at that age last year. So, you know, there's familiarity with a similar scheme coming from the Rams going into the Bengals. But yeah, it's, I think it's going to depend on price. I think Corbett's going to cost a little bit more compared to Connor Williams. And if they're legitimately serious about filling that guard spot, he would be a great choice. It's just a matter of how much actual real money up front is he going to get from the Bengals compared to another offer. That's always going to be the the final thing that separates if they actually make these moves or not. Right. Now, the thing I like about Austin Corbett, like you said, he, he's he's versatile. So that goes to where the Bengals need to add depth. And if you have a guy who can play both uh, guards, guards and center, you know, that that bodes well for just increasing the depth on the team. Uh, you know, because we're going to have injuries. I mean, hopefully we don't have, you know, a ton of them. But, I mean, that's – to me, that that's that's worth it right there. Because, I mean, according to, to Dave Lapple, I mean, that man, you know, he started in every position yeah. in the offensive line. He thinks Jonah Williams could play center, which, which maybe he could. I mean, Dave Lapple's forgot more about the offensive line than I'll ever know. So, you know, but a guy <laughs> who is able to move around like that, I think that makes him more more valuable. But 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 to, to that point, and I know you brought up like moving Hopkins to guard, and I think Hopkins can play guard again. He was pretty decent. That was his first time playing guard in 2017. He was, I mean, that offense line was was terrible. It's garbage. Yeah, like Jake Fisher had a Bodine, and Sherry Hopkins was pretty decent at right guard that year. So I think he can make that transition back. The thing is, though, like moving Hopkins and then therefore moving Williams, even though you have a degree of confidence that those guys are going to be fine in those spots, it's still a projection and it's yeah. still a variable added on to the equation. You already have three other spots that you know need to be upgraded. So it's mm -hmm. like, are you willing to add on more potential variables to the equation when you already have a not-so-stable situation? It's why they need contingencies if they're going to make those moves. And I think Ryan Jensen filling Trey Hopkins' spot and moving Hopkins over to one of the guard spots, I think that's a solid contingency. But it's just like, you know, it, you can't just move around these pieces willy-nilly and expect everything to be fine. Right, exactly. I mean, that, that but preferably, that's what I would prefer them to do, to get, because... What I would prefer them to do, if you're going to spend the money, and I've said this, is, is you spend the money. The Bengals typically do this. You guys said this on your show a ton of times. They don't spend money on guards. You know, they spend them on tackles. They spend them on center. So that's where I'm like, if you can get, if you can spend the money on your center and you get a another tackle, you know, then you can. I don't want to say mix and match with your with your guard, but I want them to sign three. So if you could sign a center and you can sign a tackle and you sign a guard. 
then your other guard, you can have a, a competition with Trey Hopkins and 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 Jax Karma, which I know people are, are kind of down on Jax Karma. But look at the jump that Logan Wilson made from one year to the next. I mean, the second year in the NFL, he can make a huge jump. Deontay Smith can make a huge jump. We don't know of, of, of what what that could be. But if you had the anchors there, to me, that makes the rest of it of the offensive line better. Pretty much, and I think um, in, in regards to like. If they were to sign three, I don't think it's going to be three guys from the outside. Unfortunately, I think at most you'll probably probably see two external guys. And probably and send then, Spain back. <laughs> yeah, it'd be like one of either Spain or Reef, depending on right. which other positions that they add. And I could I could definitely see a situation where they re-sign Spain to a similar deal and have a competition between him and Carmen if they feel like Carmen's just more natural to the left side. And then, like you said, Deontay Smith. I mean, people forget in the preseason, people were like counting on him to potentially be a starter because he was playing pretty well, and then he got injured. Like That was just the state of the offensive line. This guy from ECU who, who had COVID and lost 40 pounds, he was going to be the answer at, at one of those spots. So hopefully he uses this offseason to just kind of re-up what, everything that he did last year in terms of progress. I don't know. Like He was, I think, at left tackle in the times that he did play uh, this season. And I don't know if that is going to be his position going forward. There's so much that we just don't know, honestly. Right. And like, they just need as many decent pieces as possible. But I think ultimately what you'll see is you'll see probably two new faces, hopefully two new veterans. And then that third spot that they, that they need to fill, I think it's going to ultimately be some type of competition because they need at least one of Carmen or Smith to hit. If, if neither hit, that's just a total L on their end, and they're hoping that Trey Hill somehow develops into a decent center in the years in the years down the road, which I think they like Trey Hill, but I don't think they want to rely on him being the one piece from that class right. that it hits. Well, and that's the thing, John, where, where they're at, they, they can't where the offensive line is, they can't take a chance, in my opinion, that these guys will hit next year. They have right. to have it fixed, and that's where I'm like, I, I could see them. That's where I just keep going. I can see if they're gonna spend money, I can see them spending money on a center and a tackle, and then. I hate to say it, mix and match with guards, but I, I can see them doing it because they think these guys can be their future guards. And you don't want to sign a, they don't want to sign a guard who's there for three years and they have Jax Carmen and DeAndre Smith behind them and they can't get any playing time. But that's, I don't mind that because of depth, because you always have injuries and stuff. So I don't mind that. I don't know if that's what the Bengals are thinking, but that's typically how they, how they think. In a perfect world, I think if they filled those spots and had Carmen and Smith still riding the bench for a year or two, you have to think about their contracts. They would be up in what, like 2025 or something like that. Right. I think with Clint Bowling, well, no, that's a bad example because he started immediately. But Clint Bowling was relatively inexpensive when he signed his extension. I think he signed like $5 million a year. And he was a decent starter. I think in their mind, if they can get Carmen and or Smith starting experience sometime before their rookie deals expire, and then best case scenario, they're just decent guys then they become a lot more affordable when they hit the open market and then they can retain them. And that's, that's their situation. Like that's right. their sweet spot because they're not, they were never going to pay Kevin's either what they, what he wanted. They're never going to pay a top guard at that position. They only look for value at those spots. And if they can develop those guys to a decent enough point where you can have them out there, they're not liabilities, but they're also not going to be on the high end. And this is obviously projecting three years down the road, but this is like in their mind, what they want to happen. Probably. Right. I get the Dustin Croft here. Thanks for the, uh, uh, 499 Super Chat, he says, I've been somewhat confused by by just the overall strategy behind <laughs> building and developing. You're not alone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a lot of guys to play positions that haven't been there. I, I agree. I agree with you. I mean, that's that's where I'm kind of like, I want a center and a tackle. I want that fixed. And then 
you know, we go. I'm okay with Spain, to be honest. I don't mind if they re, if they re-sign Spain. I'm okay if they re-sign Reef. If Reef is your right tackle next year, you know, it's not my, it's not horrible. I'm just concerned about his his injury now, and if he can make it, he can make it a whole season this year. So that's where you know, a guy, John. Well, he's not just injured. He's, I mean. He's for old. NFL standards, yeah, he's 33, 34 years old. I didn't want to say he's old. I don't know how old you are. I don't want to like make an. Oh, I'm I'm I'm, old, I'm older than him. I'll, I'll be 47 in April. I'm well beyond my prime. <laughs> okay, so, so yeah, you're you're even past Brady. All right, so yeah, yeah, I'm, oh yeah, I'm, I'm the, the thing old. with the thing with Reef, and then you can include Spain here too. Like they're at the point where I mean they're on the other side of 30, and you saw it with Spain this year. Like he was healthy, but his play declined as the season went on and i think that's just natural for an offensive lineman at, at that point in his career so i think with both spain and reef if you if you had them as week one starters you're feeling okay but how long are they going to last at a competent level and obviously now reef has an ankle to worry about who even knows if he even wants to play next year like yeah. if he if he does i think they would welcome him back and as some of somewhat of a competition based deal but yeah like at that point you you, you want to preferably get younger at that position because you don't know how long you can count on those guys to be competent starters in an 18 17 game schedule right exactly now that now like i said my, my philosophy is to fix the offensive line of free agency and then draft the best players available now this goes to what worthless cherry has terry says here Devonte watt is a top three tech defender tackle at, in the draft and very well could be available at 31 and i agree it, it could be but the thing is if you don't fix the offensive line, this is what I'm afraid of, John. I don't want the, the Billy Price thing to happen again. I don't want them to have, you know, their, their mind set on one guy and he's not there. And then they go, oh, crap, we got to go do something else. That's to me where the offensive line has to be fixed in free agency because then it opens the draft up. You could draft Watt. You could draft Kobe Bryant. You could draft Lionel Ball if he's there. You know, you could draft the best player available. And that's where the Bengals need to get because they have to get uh, better depth and line and linebackers and tight ends and they still got to get a DB. So somewhere we got to get in our DB to to not necessarily replace Eli Apple because I'm okay with Eli being you know your number four, but a, a number two guy. We got to get number at least a number two cornerback. Right, and I think the 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 dichotomy between what what the offense is right now and the defense is fascinating because the defense is built entirely through free agency, but you don't have long term depth there, right? You have it, it, compared to both units, it's the older of the units, and then. The, the last defensive player that they picked with the first round pick was William Jackson. Like it's been John Ross, Billy Price, Jonah Williams, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase. Half of those guys hit, but the other half obviously didn't. They yep. need like young elite defensive talent for the future. And, and three technique would be a great start for that. Even if they saw a pass rush or an edge rusher that they liked, I, I think that would be fine. Uh, cornerback, if they don't have a surefire answer, I think that would be a good spot forward as well like they they've just been so focused on building the offense in, in the draft and now it's yeah. at a great place for the long term and they have stability and continuity there but and going back to dustin croft because i feel like we didn't i didn't fully answer like the first part of his question like only quinn spain was was added or brought back to play like a natural position they added jackson carmen a college left tackle to play a position he's never played before a position that he could have feasibly projected to play well but obviously it didn't happen immediately riley reef never played right tackle i think once for once a year in the nfl he was a career left tackle coming out of iowa like it would be nice to bring in guys that have experience at those positions when you're not just moving these chess pieces around and and then obviously you can add more depth there at those positions but yeah defensive defensively they need an injection of, of younger talent to basically fill out that unit but now you're at a position where they don't need to rebuild the defense like they did the past two years so you can focus most of your assets on the off on the offensive side of the ball and free agency and then look to draft offensively. 
Yeah, so they might just flip it from what they've done the last couple of years. You go heavy free agent in you know last couple of years, heavy free agency in the defense and draft the offense. I think they're going to flip it this year. I think it's going to be heavy free agent for the offensive line, and then they're going to draft heavy in in defense because, like you said, th- there are positions that these guys are their their contracts are only signed for two or three years, which is great. But you got to have somebody behind them to to replace them if you're not going to because they can't resign all of them. Just like we're talking about with Larry Ogunjobi and B.J. Hill. They're most likely not going to sign both of them. I mean, I hope they do, but I don't see how they're going to. They can work that out. Now, there there are some thoughts. With whenever they cut Trey Wayne's, that's going to open up some more uh, money as as well. There and somebody told me, you know, if if they sign uh, Ryan Jensen, would that t- in turn for them to turn around and 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 cut Trey Hopkins? And I personally don't think they will because Mike Brown is loyal to a fault sometimes for his players, and I think they really. And James Rapine said this last week too that they really appreciate what Trey did last year, how hard he worked to come back and what he went through to try to get back and be there for the team. So I don't think they'll cut Trey, but I do, I could see them, see them move him, but Trey Waynes, why haven't they cut him yet? That's <laughs> what are they waiting on? <laughs> we do this every single year. Like one year it was Trey Kirkpatrick. One year it was yes. Vontaze Burfitt. Like we know these guys are going to be gone. It, it, the, the timing is basically relevant. Like on their books, his contract doesn't exist anymore. It's just a matter of like when, not if. Right, and right. I, I don't think that the timing is going to impact what decisions that they make. Like we we have an idea of what their salary cap looks like and they have th- their own books, their own calculations and everything. I think Trey Waynes is it, it, like he's he might as well not be on the roster anymore, but like it's it's going to happen at some point. Yeah, yeah, I'm wait, I'm waiting for it. Now this is this is interesting. I, I I would like this, but I'd be I just don't think the Bengals will spend this much money. No, Bridget here says she's seen a, a sports site where they said we're going to get Armstead. I I don't the see sports, them spending the money. Yeah, that that, that 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 site doesn't doesn't follow the Bengals very very <laughs> often. Like yeah. honestly, like Armstead obviously would be phenomenal. He's yeah, like a, awesome. a tackle of a tackle of that caliber, even if he is thirty, doesn't hit the open market very much. But you have to like just think about this logically. The offensive line for the Bengals is not good. Like as a total as a total unit, it's not good. And Armstead alone doesn't solve it. Just like Joe Tooney, in theory, wouldn't have solved it on his own last year. And yeah, like, they look at multiple guys. Look at how they try to solve these problems. Like they attack it with multiple people. Like last year, they signed Chidabe Wuzier, Mike Hilden, completely revamped the secondary. It, when they needed linebackers two years ago, they didn't go after like a Corey Littleton or Nick Wyowski. They drafted three guys, and two of them ended up becoming decent players, including Logan Wilson. They like to solve this via quantity over, I guess, quality in terms of like the highest paid guys. So right. Armstead would be phenomenal, but you need more than that. And in their mind, like you can't get a more total fix to the problem if you're investing what like 40 million in year one cash for a left tackle mm-hmm. and the, the two top guys here orlando brown and, and i i don't think we're going to get either one of them so we just scroll down laura you got you got Tawan brown who's that's uh, all right i i'm not too big on him but i've, I've kind of more come to morgan moses moss moses moss however you say his name i i don't think he would be bad to be i mean he would be a a, a a, a, not not a complete fix, you know. He'd be here for a year or two, but you know, we have probably draft draft and develop somebody. But I could see them going after him potentially. Yeah, um, I, I remember him being like a potential target last year when he signed with the Jets, and I think he was good enough on that offensive line to get another contract. But again, thirty one years old, very similar situation. I think Riley Reef last year is just a matter of how long are you expecting this guy to be a consistent, stable player? Like where is that cliff for Morgan Moses? And I think if they're going to sign someone long-term beyond just a one-year deal, I think you're going to see probably a younger body. Yeah, exactly. And if you scroll past him, I mean, 
Eric Fisher's not bad. I don't know if I go. Let me see who's after him. Trent. Uh, Trent Brown's not bad. I think that's about as far as I would, I would probably go. I think you got Reef. Well, of course, I'd resign Reef. So I would go. I would go past <laughs> Reef. I, I don't want this my boy there. But everybody, you know, you get the other guys are okay. But I mean, if you're going to get somebody, you need somebody who's actually going to plug and play. You know, you don't you stick somebody over there and they're, and they're good. I, who out of these guys? I've been scrolling through. Who's the one that you would uh, you would like them to get? Well, Trent Brown kind of scares me a little bit because he, he was good with the Patriots, but like the Patriots is where he was brought up, and then he signed a huge deal with the Raiders and flamed out there. He gained a lot of weight. Then he came back to the Patriots, just very classic Patriots fashion, right? You go back to them, and then you're a decent player. Then now he's looking for another deal. So I don't know if you can completely trust him to be good outside of that system. But honestly, like looking at this list, I think from their point of view, like they probably trust Reef more than most of these guys. And I yeah. think that's a, a, a avenue for them to bring him back on a one-year deal. But also there's the trade market as well. I know people are infatuated with trading for a guy like Laramie Tunsil, and that would only happen if they have a deal similar to what they did with Cordy Glenn. These guys, mm-hmm. the Bengals, do, do not like to give up draft capital, even for known commodities. It has to be some type of an exchange of picks, like a pick swap, where they're, they're giving like a first they're round pick back. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And if they can find a deal like that and there's more uh, potential tackles that are on the move in the trade market, aside from Tunsil, they can find that. I think that's a potential option. But also you would have to have a contract that doesn't have a lot of like real guaranteed salaries attached to it. Yeah. And Tunsil, I mean, you're not getting Tunsil with 31. They're not going to give you. I mean, if they said that they would do that, I would take that in a heartbeat. But there's no way they're giving you Tunsil just for 31. It's going to be 31 and a second round pick and some money or, or, or something. Like you said, you know, the Bengals want something coming back. So. I don't know if that's got that's going to happen or not. I mean, there's so many options that are going on here. We'll, we'll be talking about this for the next, you know, two weeks here. Uh, let's see here. Royal Flush Cherry says, reportedly David Njoku. Njoku. Thank you. Njoku will receive a contract worth $10 million a year for Cleveland. How much would Uzama command? I don't think that much. I, I would be shocked to see uh, that offer from free Njoku come through because he's been really inconsistent. You're just banking on youth and upside there. He's also like 24, 25 years old. Njoku would be interesting on like a one-year deal just just to see like what he could do on a prove-it basis. But I think with Uzama, I think he's kind of a special case just because he just loves it here, like genuinely. I think yes. he would take a little bit less. This and Again, this is this would be his third contract. So he already made a decent amount off his second deal. I think that was like $6 million a year. I could see him taking something similar, maybe on like more of a two-year, even a one-year basis. Like I don't think he's looking to really max out his his earnings here if he just loves it here so much. And obviously everyone in Cincinnati rightfully loves C.J. Uzama. So I, I, I could see him taking a little bit less. C.J. Uzama's going to take a bath in Skyline Chile if he won the Super Bowl. <laughs> I mean, that's, now you can't get much more Cincinnati than that. Now, now this is one Greg Graves brought this up, the uh, center from Baltimore, and that came out last week that the Bengals might be interested in him, which, again, goes to what I was saying. If they're looking at a center, then I think I really I really do think they're talking about moving Hopkins to guard. But what do you think about um, – I can't think of the guy's name right now. The uh, Bradley Bozeman. Thank you, Bozeman, yes. What's yeah. your thoughts on him? So I think he was – I think he was a center at Alabama. I know he was a center at the Senior Bowl, so I think he was a center at Bama. He wasn't a particularly great one. He was drafted in like the fifth round, but the Ravens know how to develop offensive linemen, and they started him at left guard the first three years of his career. Then they moved him to center. I think PFF graded him the highest that that he's ever been graded in his four years now. So people look at him as a center because that's the most recent tape that they have, and he was decent at it. But he has athletic limitations that 
you would preferably not want in a center in a wide zone scheme. And this has brought up conversations like, are the Bengals revolving a little bit schematically to fit more, to marry their run game better with their passing game out of shotgun? Because you can't really run wide zone out of shotgun. You can more have more of a downhill gap scheme attack, which fits what Bozeman does well. He doesn't have the athleticism to make reach blocks like a Trey Hopkins can, like a peak Trey Hopkins, a healthy Trey Hopkins can make some of those more um, athletic uh, reach blocks, if you will. And Bozeman isn't really that. Like, I think if he's a guard, you can kind of hide his athletic limitations a little bit more in their scheme. But I don't know. It, it really depends on how much that he's commanding because I, I think Baltimore has developed him nicely and it would be weird to see him let go. Sorry, my dog is going nuts. <laughs> so, uh, he had something to say about Bozeman. I was, I was he did. He, he, he was agreeing with everything you said, John. He was totally agreeing with everything <laughs> you said. So, okay. So, so what is, I don't know off the top of my head, what is the cap space the Bengals actually have for, as of right now? Do you know? Off, do, you know do you know? It's about, it's it's about, about yeah, it's about 50 million. And yeah. they can get 10 with Trey Waynes. But, I mean, people are saying, like, okay, just pay Jesse Bates with the money you save for Trey Waynes. The money that they're going to save from Trey Waynes is probably just going to be rolled over to the next year. Like, that's not changing. They're always going to roll over 8 to $10 million, especially this year because beyond this year, you have extensions for Joe Burrow and T. Higgins on, on the horizon, if you will. So they're always going to roll over that money. So I would just say $50 million is the is the cap space. All right, so you got $50 million. So So you're, you're probably looking at... I wouldn't, I would think more 10, 10 million per for, uh, I think would they, would they pay 10 million per for a guard? I mean, would, would they do that? I I, th- I don't know. That's, that's all. <sighs> that's still, that's still more than I would expect to be. Yeah. I mean, they you. need to, I'd like them to, I just don't, <laughs> I just don't see them doing. I mean, and what kills me is, is I'm kind of hoping they'll change their mind because, you know, the season tickets are almost sold out. They've raised prices and everything. So they got all that money coming in. So to, to, to show the fans that, yeah, we're seriously into this, you know, go out and really, you know, get an offensive line. But it's just they don't pay for guards, John. They just don't. <laughs> they never have. That's why I'm like, this is the, you know, 50 years or whatever. They've, this is the way the, the, the organization has been run. I know they've changed, but I just don't see that. I don't know. I, I just don't think that they've changed that much philosophically. I think they do realize that there's a window now, mm-hmm. and I think they're cognizant of that, but that can only go so far as to changing like their philosophical beliefs on right. what positions are the most valuable. And obviously they want to get better off offensive line. They want to get better their way. And ideally that's draft and develop and, and, and sign high or high value guys with the potential of getting better. And that's where you get some of these deals that they're more willing to offer. Like I think 10 million is probably, probably what they offered Joe Tooney, but knowing that he was going to get a lot more, it was basically a, a fruitless uh, right. effort. So I, I, I people love to get attached to like the average annual value, but it's really about like how much are you getting any of your salaries guaranteed? Cause that's right. usually what exists in those top contracts. And it, you look at like the top average annual value. And a lot of those guys just have real money, real salaries that they're going to be guaranteed regardless if you stay with the team. And you look at Trey Hendrickson, he got 15 million a year, but only like 15 at, at signing and none of his salaries are guaranteed. Like if you find a guy that is willing to take a deal like that, then you're in business. They would be right. fine offering that that number that everyone loves. But obviously, if you're going to be offered a little bit more real money, then you're going to take that. That's ultimately what matters. And the offensive line market has just exploded in recent years because everyone realized you need good offensive line talent. And that's <laughs> right. why the prices have increased. And they've just continued to stay behind the times there. And they try to make it up with roster bonuses and stuff like that. But it only goes so far when every other team is more willing to do that. Yeah, and the one thing that 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 hopefully I hope they don't bank on this too much is 
guys will be willing to take less money to come here because you got a chance to win a ring block for Joe Burrow. I mean, that, I think that is a thing. I mean, but, but I hope they don't go rely on that too much. You know, <laughs> it, it's a thing for the guys like Morgan Moses or the guys who are at that stage of their right. career. Not, not for the guys who are looking for their first contract, right? right. Like the, it's only for the guys who have made enough money in their careers. They see Joe Burrow. They like they're Riley Reef. Basically they, mm-hmm. they're in the last leg of their careers. They believe in this guy. They want to compete for championships. And for the first time in my lifetime, the Bengals are competing for championships, yeah, and that matters. Yeah, right, exactly. Well, and that goes back to, like, that's why I could see Morgan Moses being a guy, <clears throat> excuse me, that they go after. So, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. And, and one thing, I know I haven't done a huge deep dive into the draft, but one thing, I didn't think it was a very deep offensive line uh, draft. But, according to Daniel Jeremiah, he said that the Bengals could get somebody in the lower rounds. That would be better than the starters we have, which, I mean, that just – that could be just how bad they, he thinks the starters yeah. were, <laughs> you know? So some people are like, well, that's great. We can do that. Like, yeah, but they can't rely on that. That's the, that's the one point I keep saying. The Bengals cannot rely on the draft for this offensive line. I, I just, I, they can't. Well, they can't because the track record stinks. Like yes. you, you, you can find <laughs> in, in, in this past draft that they were, if they were to draft as lineman in the second round and the fourth round, they would be fine if they weren't Jackson Carmen and Deontay Smith. Like Creed Humphrey was a second round pick and he obviously he should have been all pro with the Kansas City Chiefs. Right. Like they could have drafted Trey Smith, who ended up in the sixth round. He also went to the Chiefs. Like the Chiefs are the are the model of how to completely revamp your offensive line. And I think that's what that's something that Jeremiah says basically every year. Like you can find decent offensive line talent in the later parts of the draft because you know he knows where to find them, but the Bengals right. don't. The Bengals don't know how to find those guys. So, like you said, they can't rely on it because of that. Yeah, that, that I mean, but the funny thing is, they <clears throat> excuse me, they have found those guys in the past. It's just the last ten years they haven't done it. They've swung and missed so many freaking times. It's it's ridiculous. I mean, it's so it, it's gonna be an ongoing conversation. You know, this, this whole uh, offseason, all the way till till we get it figured out what, what they're going to do. But like I said, I brought it up a little earlier. The other uh, issue I think for starter is they got to get a, a number two cornerback. We kind of touched on it a little bit. I don't personally think they're going to sign one. I think there's enough guys in this draft that can get one. I personally, being a Bearcat fan, would love Kobe Bryant to be there in the second round and have him, you know, right alongside of, of Cheetah Bay. But uh, what what's your thoughts on, on – on, I know you haven't done a lot in the draft, but your thoughts on the cornerback and guys they could sign. I'll, I'll go free agency or draft. Guys they could sign, you know, which way they could go. Yeah, it's actually a decent class of, of free agent cornerbacks that are available. I know – Malik Wright has thrown out uh, Dante Jackson, a guy from Carolina. I think he right. picked off Andy Dalton when they played them back in 2018. I think that's a potential option. Like th- that's a position that they are willing to spend. So if there's a guy who fits their market, like I could definitely see them going after one of those guys. Cause I don't, cause I don't think they want to go into the draft needing a starting cornerback. I think right. depending on what happens for agency, you could see Eli Apple being brought back on a team friendly deal because honestly, I don't know what the perception of Eli Apple is outside of Cincinnati. This is his fourth team. He's pissed off every team that he's been with aside from Cincinnati. <laughs> I don't know if teams want to deal with, with that press of bringing him in. So I think that in itself could lower Apple's value and, and have him being brought back to compete for playing time, not as a, an established number two cornerback, even though he, he played at that level this year. So I could see a guy like Don, uh, Dante Jackson being signed in because I don't think they want to enter the draft needing a guy opposite of a Wuzier. Yeah, exactly. I'm trying to bring out my PFF here. I can't get my computer to scroll down fast enough to, to bring it up for you. But I know a lot of people that I, I talked about is JC Jensen. He would be great. I, again, I don't see the Bengals spending the money to get him, but I think he would be a, a really good uh, pickup for the for the for the Bengals. 
yeah, I mean, Patriots know how to develop those cornerbacks. And this is, again, another Patriots player who's not going to get tagged and every every Bengals fan wants him and odds are he's not going to come here. <laughs> exactly. We, we keep doing this all the Because, I mean, last year, I mean, dude, we, we uh, everybody kept talking about, um, uh, oh, crud. Tooney. But, yeah, Tooney. Tooney here, too. You know, to bungle for Tooney. Go get Tooney. I'm like, I hope they get him, but they need more than one. And that's that's the thing. And we're in the same damn position where we were last year so we need more more than one but the good thing with quarterback we really only need one and if they yeah. they've done a really good job last i mean from uh, just just talk about secondary from from bell to to cheetah but hell to eli apple it, you know give him credit he, yeah he is what it he is he's not a starting quarterback but they've done really well at finding guys in, in their late 20s you know early 30s on, on the uh, uh up trajectory here so i, I think they're going to go along that same line but like I said, if you fix the offensive line free agent, you can draft a guy. Well, here's here's the good news, I, I think, because you look at the last two years and the offensive line was obviously bad going back to now, like, what, five years? The offensive line has been a weakness for a while, but the mm-hmm. defense was also just abysmal, and they put in a lot of resources to fixing field a competent defense. And then now now they have that. They still need to bring back Bates and one of Hill and Ogan Joby, but the base, the core of the defense is more or less there. And they just have, they not only have money to spend, but they have to spend some of this money in order to hit like the minimum cap spending. And there's only so much that they can spend on defense and like justify it at this point. Like they have nowhere else to spend on offense aside from tight end. And you don't really spend that much money on a tight end anyways. Like they're going to spend at offensive line to some degree. Like they're going to add probably two new bodies. It's just a matter of how expensive those bodies are. And if those bodies are actually good at playing football, that's that that remains to be seen. Let's hope, hope they get guys that are going to play football. But yeah, that's right. I I, I think they're going to sign two. I'm hoping they'll sign three. But I, but like I said the third one I could see being Quentin Spain or Riley Reeve that they'll because they like bringing their own guys back. I mean that's just a, a Bengal thing. And I don't. All right, let's put it to this one. out of the two. If you had to pick between Reef or Q, which one would you want to bring back? I, I think. Man, they're they're basically the same player to me. Honestly, mm-hmm. it's just one is coming off of an injury and one's a little bit older. But I mean, you look at the other potential tackles. I think the guard market is just a little bit stronger, and I think your chances of finding a better player. Well, it's also different because you need two guards, and Spain is just play, can only play one position. So I think Reef has more value to them because of their other options. A tackle may not be as good as their other options compared to Spain. But I also don't think that Spain is going to command that much to be honest mm-hmm. with you like i think it would right. be very a very reasonable deal if not another one-year deal because of just how he finished and how maybe the rest of the nfl season so i, I think probably reef just because t- obviously tackles are still more important as well but uh, but i think the other options aside from reef aren't as good compared to the other options aside from spain yeah i mean with reef to me it also depends on like you said how he's yeah, how he is recovering from that injury because the ankle injury must have been, I don't know if he broke it or what he did. I never really heard the details of what he did to his ankle, but it was so bad he never played again. Yeah. And 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 uh props to, by the way, props to Logan Wilson, who we just found out had uh, a tort labrum in his shoulder and finished the whole season and played played really, really well. So all right, let's just say the Bengals fix the offense line, which we all I'm huge if yeah. Let's say they <laughs> fix it, which I hope they do. I'm praying they fix it. What does that say for the 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 rest of the NFL looking at the Bengals going? All right, they already went to the Super Bowl with a crappy offensive line. Now they got a good one. Oh crap! Is <laughs> it really put the Bengals on on the people's radar now? More, more well, yeah. than it is now. 
it, it does, but I don't think it's as simple as that because despite the offensive line being terrible, they had a lot of other things go right for them. And that those are things that you can't expect to continue being at that level going forward. They were incredibly healthy. They got a lot of production out of their defense. I think there are going to be some areas where they experience just natural regression, but I, I think that balances out with the offensive line getting better because they had a really explosive passing offense with a really terrible offensive line maybe you see some of those explosive plays go down because it's hard to sustain that level but with a more consistent offensive line and burrow under pressure less i think the offense becomes more consistent and you're not as reliant on some of those explosive plays and then as long as the defense you know maintains a decent a similar level i think you will see a, a team that doesn't always have to win in the ways that they did Right. in the past year and, and right. things open up more for the offense because you're not game planning around a bad offensive line. So the offense line improving does a lot to make them a more consistent team. And that can help counter out some of the things that might regress next year. Yeah, exactly. And I know people ask me during the season, like when's this offense going to get consistent? I said, easy when the offensive line play gets consistent. Cause it's, if you're always, you know, trying to run for your life and you don't have holes to run through and you don't have time to throw the ball, it's hard to have anything consistent. So that goes uh, back to what we were saying before is if, the Bengals go all in on the offense and not as much on the defense this year. That would that that would help out because it would kind of counterbalance what we had. Because let, let's be honest, this past year, if it wasn't for the defense, the Bengals would have been nowhere close to Super Bowl or winning yeah. record or anything. The defense was huge last year. But that's also why I think you will see them prioritize guys who can have proven that they can stay healthy, and mm-hmm. the, that's not necessarily a shot at Taron Armstead. I, like his whole injury issues are kind of overblown, but I think they will value guys who have played a lot and can prove that they can stay on the field. Because if they sign guys at offensive line and they get injured, like they're back to square one. Like right. that's a lot of money out the door and no right. progress to show for it. Exactly, because like I said, we don't have depth. We don't have another guy to come in and really, you know, plug and play. Now, but like I said, the, the, hopefully that that uh, Deontay Smith and Jax Carmen can make a, a huge leap, which it could happen. I'm, but that, to me, that's not something that you are, are going to bank on. They they need mm-hmm. guy prove guys that can go in there and and fix it and be fine with it. So anyway, we got about two more weeks of 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 free agent talk till uh, f- something finally happens. Hopefully. But, uh, John, as always, I appreciate you coming on. Tell everybody about the Orange Black Insider podcast and Cincy Jungle and everything else you got going on. Yeah, it's February's about to turn to March, so we got a lot more content about to come out on Cincy Jungle. You can follow us at Cincy Jungle on Twitter and on the website, CincyJungle.com. The Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast is the podcast for Cincy Jungle. It's me and Anthony Casenza, who I'm sure all of you are familiar with. If you're not, I don't know why you wouldn't be. So, yeah, just check us out <laughs> every Wednesday night at 830 Eastern time. Exactly. I will be checking it out. Well, hopefully, see, to, to me, I have to go to bed sometimes because I go to work today on early. So sometimes, I'm like, <laughs> oh, you guys are on. I'm like, hey, what's up, guys? And then, ah, crap, I gotta go to bed. So, I, well, I always, if that's the case, you can find us on every uh, where you can get your podcast. If yeah, I do. I do. I, I listen to it. I, I work on the podcast all the time. So anyway, John, as always, I appreciate you, man. And we will have to do this again. I'm sure we will. You know, we got we got lots of stuff it's, to talk about. It's been too long, man, but it's a good timing because like this week is a big week for the West Side. Zip dips opening back up. I'm. Woo! I'm yeah, exactly. Talking there about you baby. Go. I knew I liked you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, John. Talk to you later, man. See ya. See you, man. Now that's a West Sider right there. Knows about the zip dip. Yeah, that's some good ice cream right there. Anyway, I know if you're not a West Sider, you don't know anything about it. Anyway, <laughs> let's get to the Facebook groups that let me live stream, and I appreciate every single one of them. They are Hootie Nation, Hootie Legion, Cincinnati Reds, Riding Third, Heading for Home, Bearcat Country, Bearcat Ruckus, the 
Ohio State Bucknuts, the Ice Bar Link. Follow me on all my social media platforms, all under Sports with Strawberry Ice. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Twitter handle is at Jeff A. Trenopal. TikTok is at Iceman90. Like John said, if you missed the show, it's going to be on the podcast. You can listen to it tonight, tomorrow, at work, whenever. It'll be on BeanPod, Apple iTunes, Spotify, Google, Stitcher Play, pretty much wherever you get your podcast. Please make sure you rate, like, and review. Give me a five-star review. Leave a comment so more Cincinnati fans can find my podcast. I would greatly appreciate it. YouTubers, 1,507 subscribers. That is awesome. Tell your friends, tell your neighbors. But sports are strawberry ice. Let's try to get to 2,000 as fast as we can. I appreciate everybody watching. Like I said, if it wasn't for you guys. I wouldn't be able to do this. Matt Jenkins, I agree with you. Ryan Jensen, please. I would love to get him. I don't know. We'll see. Like I said, I, I could see them signing a center and a tackle and trying to fill in with Quentin Spain and maybe Hopkins at guard. I really could see that. I know people call me crazy, but I could totally see that them doing that. But we'll see what happens. March 15th is free agency. I'm going to the uh, combine on Sunday. It's going to be a, a lot of fun. Other than that, you guys have a great day. Uh, as of tomorrow, I have no guests. I'm working on it still. It might just be you and me. We'll have to see, but check it out tomorrow. I'll be back better than ever. And other than that, that's just sports, baby. See ya! Jungle.